Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband, our Daf of the Day, Masachet Beitza, Daf Lamed, page 30. With page 30, really with the very end of page 29, we begin a new parak. we're in parak 4, um, and some of the themes here certainly continue from the previous chapter in terms of, I would say, making sure that Yentif the, the things that we do on Yantif that are similar to things that we might do on the rest during the rest of the week are different enough to preserve the Kedusha, the sanctity of the day. Um, I'm going to begin with this Mishnah. Somebody who brings wine jugs, right, from one place to another place. You can't bring them in a basket or in a in a some kind of big box um, that is the usual way that you would bring the the wine on the weekday. It's considered disrespectful um, of the Chag. You can bring the barrel, or you can bring a barrel of wine on your shoulder, or if you carry it in front of you. Uh, I'm not sure why that's a comfortable way to carry. And likewise, somebody who's bringing straw um, for kindling, right? You're going to try to make a fire. You're going to feed the fire from the straw, or maybe you're going to feed animals from the straw. So it has a purpose on Yentif. You can't drag the the tub of the box of straw behind you while you know as you're carrying it, as that seems to be like carrying on your back or or dragging it behind you seems to be the the regular weekday of way of carrying. You can take it in your hand. Um, you can take oh, from the I'm sorry you um, you can take from the pile of straw um, you know as long even if you haven't designated it for use in advance um, but you, what you can't do is then you cannot take from wood that is set aside that is in the, I don't know, wherever you keep your wood, in your wood box, um, because that's the kind of thing where it's storage. So there's no thought that you're going to be using it for yantif. So you ha- so it's not, uh, let me say this carefully, it's kind of like the definition of muksa, meaning something that is not prepared to be for yantif, and therefore it doesn't have a use of yantif because it hasn't been designated in that way, and so therefore you cannot use it, and it is the whole, the weekday way of using it. So the Gemara... The Gemara has a really, I think, practical question here. Tanya, im What happens if the way you carry the thing that you're carrying is really the only way to carry it, right? You can't modify it. You can't do it in, with any kind of change. Then the Gemara answers, is that you can do that, meaning you can do the normal way. Um, and then we have some very um, specific examples of how Rava instituted specific ways of carrying things in his city in Machoza. Eitkin Rava be Machoza, de daro be duchka le dara baraglaya. How you carry something that's heavy, right? Then you should carry it differently. You carry it. And so, for example, carry it on a pitchfork. And if you usually carry your things on a pitchfork, then you should use a carrying pole. And if you usually use the carrying pole, then you should, maybe should just take it in your hands. And if you um, might usually carry the carrying pole in your hands and use a scarf or a handkerchief to use it, right? Uh, all of these things are, 
your own, I would say they're your own modifications uh, to the, how you would normally do something. And again, it concludes, you know, and if you cannot change it because it's just not going to be feasible, it's not going to be practical, then you can c- carry it, you know, continue, continue along. Um, okay. There's more on this, of course. This Amud actually is fairly long. The Amud bed is less long. Your Dan, you'll take care of that. But I want to jump to um, to the middle of the daf of the Amud, rather Amud Aleph, where we have actually a rather significant um, principle in halacha that shows up here, but it has application really everywhere. So it says here, "Letamech had Amar," speaking again about Rava, "Lolatev inish afumid delaycha dilma." Mangadar le chayfet va'atili tuye. So we're talking here about the idea is that a person should not sit at the entrance to an alleyway, um, next to a side post. Right, that something is put there in the alleyway to make sure that you can then call it a private domain. This will take us back to Erevin, unless that same object. Min, um, Megandar le chayfet va'atili tuye. That that item could roll away. Um, and he will come to what will he come to do? Arba Amot Rabim. He'll come to carry for Dalat Amot in the public domain because he's gone to pick up this thing that's there to make it a private domain, but it's on the outskirts of the public domain. If it rolls into the public domain and he goes to bring it back, I feel like a child that should not ch- chase a bull into the street. Um, he's going to bring it back and then he's going to have this uh carrying within the public domain for Amot, which is an Easter Doraita of carrying. So the Gemara says, well, what about the women who take their drugs? The women are in the drugs are further up on the daf, right? And they are going to then sit at the entrance to the alleyway. Why don't we say something to them? Meaning the fact that they're doing something, it is not what they're supposed to be doing. They're sitting in this on the in the alleyway, in the outskirts of this Rashida Rabim. What, what's really going on here? So all of this is simply the case. And what I want to get to is the halakhic principle, which is the next line. So the claim here is that we have a general principle, namely to leave Israel, to leave the Jews alone, right? Meaning if they're doing something that is not the right thing to be doing, then Better for that they should do that same thing in an unwitting fashion. That their that their error is bishogeg, and that they're not doing it with intent. Because the implication here is that telling them that they're doing something wrong is not going to change their behavior, and then they will know that they're not supposed to be doing it, and they will be caught up in doing that same thing, but doing it with intent to do the wrong thing because they will have that knowledge. So now in this case. In this case of um, the people who are, uh, you know, the people who are seeing the drugs at the, at the alleyway, so that's also a problem. And then the best, I, want, I shouldn't have skipped everything I skipped. I want to just go back and say, I don't have Rav Bar Rav Chani Labaye to none, ain't Matapkin, but ain't Misapkin, but ain't Rakadin. This was the original case. I apologize for jumping ahead of it. Um, the line says that they said he cannot clap or or beat time or dance on a chag 
lest you come to repair musical instruments, meaning the idea of carrying music into the Chag is not going to be appropriate. Now, we've all just come off of Simchat Torah, and I think we all know that certainly there is dancing in this day and age on the Chag. Um, and so the the claim here is, you know, we do see that people do this, the women do this, is the claim. And um, and really, really, um, again, here, they're going to be doing their clapping, their dancing, whatever, better that they should do this in the wrong way, that they should do the wrong thing and not be told that they're doing the wrong thing, continue to do the wrong thing, and thereby, with that knowledge, turn themselves into intentional sinners. So I think this is a really interesting halakhic concept that's presented here. Um, you know, that uh, we sort of, in a way, are not correcting people or not sort of sharing what the halakha maybe ideally should be because we acknowledge, like, the majority of people are just going to do something a certain way. And so it's sort of better that it's, you know, kind of an unknown. Um, and I I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's a very interesting concept. And is that something that is still used within our halakhic system today? You mean, do we think, do we tell people the wrong do we rebuke or, people? Or do we, are there times where like, you know, someone who's a POSIC says like, I'm not going to do this sock because better not to tell people that. Like, I, I, I'm just curious if this is brought up in other situations. The one situation that I know that it comes up, comes up in, um, I, I've seen it come up in more baiting kind of cases, meaning really an individual case in front of a baiting where, you know, if the judge let a certain piece of information out, it could really destroy things. Okay. But... So I, I think, you know, that's an interesting way to look at it. I, I just, it's a really interesting uh, a topic. And I think, unfortunately, one of those that like the DAP, not as long as we'd like to spend on it with the DAP. Um, I'm going to go down to Amud Bet. Uh, and uh, we have a Mishnah here. Ain't lean min hasuka, So you can't take wood from a sukkah right, on any, on really on any chag, right, maybe not necessarily only on Sukkot, because it would be like dismantling it, but you can take wood that's nearby. So in other words, the Gemara explains, let's say you have your Sukkah up, and there's like some wood next to it that you didn't use for the wall or something like that, that you are allowed to use. And then the Gemara, and again, I, 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 I'm mentioning this because I mentioned a couple of days ago that there's not a lot of Midrash Halakha here. There's not a lot that's based on Sukim, but here there's an interesting Midrash Halakha that specifically relates to uh, Sukkot. And I guess maybe because we're recording this the day after, uh, you know, we finished Sukkot, uh, you know, it resonated a little bit um, more with me. So the Gemara reads as follows. Umi honey bat tonight. So the there's a brisa right that they quote that says everybody agrees right with the sukkah that if it was built specifically for the chag of Sukkot that during the chag itself it's prohibited right it's not it's asura to take any wood from it. But if you made it tonight you stipulated some type of condition with it right with regard to it then it can be according to the condition. So the you know so the Gemara basically wants to say okay what and and how could the condition be affected to it how is it that you could have a condition 
And now they bring this Midrash Halakha as a proof to say that maybe you can't have a condition. And what is that? And what the condition would mean is, is that somehow you structure by saying, well, I built this sukkah, but it's out tonight. It's on the condition that like in three days, I'm going to, you know, uh, I, 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 sorry, that like on, you know, uh, I built the sukkah, but on the afternoon at the first day of Chag, I'm still going to take it apart. Okay. So they're asking like, how could you have some type of condition? And this is the reason why they ask us. But I'm a Rav Shisha Mishum Rabbi Akiva. Rav Shisha says in the name of Rabbi Akiva. How do we know that the wood of the sukkah is basically prohibited from any other use all seven days of Sukkot? Because it says in Vayikra, chapter 23, verse 34, that uh, that it says the festival Sukkot should be for Hashem for seven days. Vitanya, right? And so it's also taught in another Brisa. Rabbi Yehuda ben Betera Omer, so Rabbi Yehuda ben Petera says that we know that just as the name of heaven is sort of on the Chagiga, the Korban Chagiga, right? It also is on the actual Sukkah itself. In other words, the Sukkah itself becomes something that basically it's like it's dedicated to Hashem, right? And again, they quote the same Pasuk because it says the festival of Sukkot for seven days is to Hashem. Hashem. Just as the festival, the Chagiga that we give is consecrated to God, so too the Sukkot itself is consecrated to God. And so therefore, based on this Midrash Halacha, we see this concept that there's something special about the physical structure of the Sukkot itself, that it is, you know, dedicated to Hashem. And therefore, there's a question about whether or not you could actually have the tonight. Then the Gemara goes on to discuss the tonight. But I also thought it was interesting that this case doesn't actually appear in Masachat Sukkah. It appears here in Masachat Beitzah. And so this is one of those organizational pieces to the Mishnah that always surprises me when we find it. So I found myself, I felt like this was such a classic, I don't know, klutzkashia kind of thing where I found myself wanting to know why would people want the wood that's near the Sukkah that's not part of the Sukkah? Like, what are they going to do with this? Now, Maybe they just want it for firewood and they're feeding their fi- the, the cooking oven for, for Yantif. But I, I was puzzled by that. Well, I don't think people had a lot of um, building materials. So it may have been you used it for your sukkah. Maybe you only needed your sukkah for a day. You didn't need it for all seven days and you wanted to use it for something else. So, I, But it's I, Yantif. I, I don't what know. are you I building Yantif? I wasn't as puzzled by this. Maybe you wanted to use it to <laughs> burn wood for, to make food. I don't know. I wasn't that's, that's, that's why I was laughing at myself. As I was preparing it, I said, this is for sure like the, it's, that's what I mean by a klutzkashi. It's the kind of thing that we can't answer. I've, I've, you know, I'm going in a direction that the Gemara isn't going in. I wanted to, to, to see that, to, to give me an answer. I hoped maybe some commentary would tell me if one says so, I didn't see it, etc. Like, you know, it's, I understand that it is not the crux of the discussion. Right. Well, you know, I think we have here, you know, on the staff, two interesting passages. The first one that you read, which sort of gives an interesting halachic framework um, for how, you know, sakalacha is sort of not spoken about, like when we choose to sort of refrain from mentioning something. And here we have an interesting midrash halacha, which doesn't appear, I, unless I'm remembering wrong, I don't think it appears in Masachat Sukkah at all. Um, but this idea that the sukkah itself becomes consecrated, 
throughout the seven days, you know, I, I, I think really resonated with me, particularly because we just finished Sukkah. And for example, our exactly. Sukkah, you know, started to come down today. Well, <laughs> that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.